Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 214 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs this summer. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and even more. No NBA, no NHL, no NFL, no problem. Bet Online has you covered for all your sports wagering needs this summer. Head to the website or use your mobile device, sign up today, and get in on the action. Use promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V to get 50% on your first deposit. Again, B-L-E-A-V for 50%. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts with that said episode 214. For the love of the game, let's get this work. I want to know who my representing it here tonight. Hold on, hold on. Explain myself. You said you me, Louisiana. Murder on the beat. Something for y'all to cut up to, you know? Yeah. Everybody get your roll on. I know Shorty and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man last year, life goes on. Haven't let the thing lose, girl, it's so long. You been inside, know you like to lay low. I've been people what you bring into the... Welcome back, episode 214 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network with yours truly, it's ATH. We're back in the saddle, we're back behind the mic, we're playing a little hurt, lost my voice a couple of days ago, still on the mend, but... Big-time players rise to the occasion, still pumping out some content, and we are officially in the dog days of summer. The NBA draft came and went last week. Not a whole lot of excitement, some moving back and forth. Not really sure what the Kings are going to do with all that cap space that they opened up when they traded Rashad Holmes in the 24th pick to the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, by all intents and purposes, had a great draft, but whatever. The draft is the draft. Free agency starts this Friday. Not a whole lot of major free agents in terms of big-time names this summer. You know, the most marquee names are Kyrie Irving's crazy ass, Chris Middleton, Draymond Green. Like, we're not talking about real franchise changers here in terms of being the number one player on a really relevant team. But, but it should still be exciting But the big news in the NBA right now is we're all waiting on this Damian Lillard thing to come to a head, to come to some sort of conclusion, all right? I think the writing on the wall for Damian Lillard is there. They took Scoot Henderson with the number three pick. They didn't trade it for a player. I know Dame said he's going to give them a couple of weeks in free agency, and that's fine considering he can be traded first on July 9th. So it gives them a couple of days to see if they can get somebody like Draymond Green, who he's been rumored to want to play with, maybe bring back Jeremy Grant. But even still, does that get you anywhere? Um, I think it's time. It's time for Dame Lillard to finally do it, ask for a trade. I know he's on record saying he doesn't want the youth movement. And I'm kind of tired of him already. I'm kind of tired of it. This flip-flopping back and forth, this loyalty, 
but I, I don't want to play with young kids. Like, that's the situation they're in right now. There wasn't a player available that was really worth the number three pick because Scoot Henderson is that level of a prospect. The first three picks in this year's draft held extra weight than normal, given the tier of prospects that were the first three picks. It just didn't work out that way for Damian Lillard. It didn't work out that way. Now, if it was the five pick, maybe he could have flipped it. But that wasn't the case. They have the succession plan in place. It's time. Just do us all a favor. It's time. And do I think Portland will accommodate Dame and try and get the best package and send him where he wants to go? Yes, because, again, Scoot Henderson changes the equation. They can work with Dame as a last measure of goodwill between him and the franchise, send him to Miami, get back whatever you can get back, and it's fine because you have Scoot Henderson in place. Get the most amount of picks. If you want to get Tyler Hero to flip him somewhere else because you're not sold on Tyler Hero, fine. Send Dame to Miami and let's be done with it already. Let's be done. Let's be done with it already. Um, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the Dame back and forth stuff. Just let's get it over with. So that's the big NBA news coming. We're actually going to talk a lot of NBA about some of the trades that were made before the draft. We're going to talk about the Knicks and how they look going into the offseason. Because that's really what's going on right now. That's really what's going on. I mean, the Yankees are not worth watching. As I said last week, Aaron Judge's toe is even worse than we thought. There's no timetable for his return. They have an anemic offense. I don't understand how a team with an almost $300 million payroll can be so thin at every position, especially in the outfield. Makes no sense. I hate Josh Donaldson. I hate Glaber Torres. I hate watching this team, so I'm not going to watch them. Not going to watch them. So until there's big NBA trade news or there's a big signing, there's really not a whole heck of a lot to talk about this summer. But we're going to figure it out. I'm actually going to do a Wimbledon preview, something I didn't do last year that I'm excited to do. But, yeah, so that's what's coming up. But just, yeah, a quick rant on the Damian Lillard situation. Enough is enough already. Dame, push your chips in. They'll accommodate you. It's time. It's good for both parties, and let's be done with it. With that said, we're going to bring on two guests. One, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the Celtics trade involving Marcus Smart and Kristaps Porzingis. And we're going to bring on a first-time guest to talk about the Knicks, what they're doing this offseason, what we think they should do this offseason, what we expect them to do this offseason, and all that is coming in just a matter of moments. So... We are in the dog days of summer. The draft is come and gone. I don't really have many thoughts about the draft. Whatever. We'll see what these guys turn out to be in the NBA, and then we can talk about them. But there was a couple of trades. Uh, Avi Wexler's on to bid Bon Voyage to one of his favorite Celtics, Marcus Smart. He was sent to the Memphis Grizzlies in a three-team trade involving the Celtics, the Wizards, the Grizzlies, Avi, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I can like work through this emotionally dangerous exercise of saying goodbye to, as you said, one of the one of the greatest Celtics ever, um, Marcus Smart. And I know that's My, hold on. heresy to some. You don't that's even a, believe what you just said. You don't <laughs> even believe it. So 
here's the thing. Yeah, we can we can we can dive right in if you want. I could or I could hold it for later. But that's I I put them up there, and you know, there's definitely a parenthesis or an asterisk that's attached to that, right? So, but whatever, we can we can either dive in or I'll follow your lead on this one. Well, let's talk about the trade. Obviously, there was a lot going on with the trade. You thought it was going to be Malcolm Brogdon, including the Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. Turned out not to be the case. They were in on Porzingis, uh, heavy, and they ended up getting, you know, out of the deal with the Clippers. You know, we had the, it was kind of like an up and down roller coaster. Woj was tweeting things that it was on. Woj was tweeting things that it was off. Um, the medicals, it appeared that Brogdon's medicals really scared the Clippers. Um, they pulled out, and yeah. Marcus Smart gets dealt. The C's get back Porzingis and a couple of picks, you know, in the three-team trade. Tyus Jones and I think some other, you know, draft capital went to the Wizards. What were your thoughts on the trade as a whole? So when the trade originally was breaking and it was originally the Brogdon deal, I thought that was great. Um, Even though I like how Brogdon fit with the team last year, one six-man of the year, his injury concerns and his inability to really play defense especially after he gets hurt his inability to even just get a shot going that was kind of like the oh this is this is what you're getting with Malcolm Brogdon like he's great when he's healthy but when he's not healthy you don't really want he's like basically unplayable essentially um and that kind of is what killed us in the playoffs you know um so then trading him I think probably made sense because that was like a sell high candidate right there especially when it means you're trading him the Clippers who have a history of taking on guys with, with injury issues, right? Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I was like, Oh, totally. It's a perfect marriage. Just send a guy out there who, you know, is great when he's healthy and when he's not healthy, which is also a thing, you know, fits right in with the Clippers system. Um, and then when that broke and apparently, I don't know if it was Shams or Woj who came out and said it, or it might've been somebody else, but re- originally the issue was that the Clippers couldn't get a, a physical done on him in time and because they which is crazy considering like if you want a guy and you're willing to take a trade i imagine you can find a single doctor in boston massachusetts which has plenty of med- medical experts who could run a physical for you um but uh they were the ones who weren't held up by the midnight deadline because porzingis right was in that opt-in was on the last day of his opt-in or opt-out and the Celtics wanted to get him there because they were worried about him going to the jazz because Ainge was looking for another big win and they ended up getting John Collins. Obviously there's a big difference, at least in my opinion, between Porzingis and Collins, but nonetheless, Celtics for years have been linked to Porzingis. They tried to trade for him before he went to the Mavericks. If you recall, Yep, um, New York Knicks, I think they were offered four picks for him or something. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Ainge, when Ainge has a hard on for a guy, he really goes all in. I mean, he did almost, he basically offered the same package to draft justice Winslow. So, you know, a couple of sliding doors moments, thankfully we don't have justice Winslow. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was weird to hear that the trade was off, and then it was back on. But then it had to include Marcus. Um, I mean, we could dive right into it. I think Marcus, when I said he's one of the greatest Celtics of all time, I think it's he's one of the greatest guys who embodied Celtic culture—not Heat culture, but Celtics culture—of diving, hustling, giving a shit, and just making winning plays and like flopping. I know he'll flopping. Sure, fine. Fake, That's fine. Fake what toughness. Is, one of the best one of the best memories that I have of Marcus is the game where they were da- they were playing the Rockets when Harden was like in MVP Harden and um and Marcus was able to like initiate like three flops on Harden in like 
a two minute span to basically seal the game for the Celtics, but just, you know, diving for loose balls, making great passes, the phenomenal uh, play where he hit passed up that game winning shot to Tatum in game one of the first round last year against the Nets where Tatum hit the game winner. That was an amazing Marcus play. He, he became a great passer when he originally was coming in as a shooting guard. And I just liked his story. He embodied the city. Everybody in the city loved him for what he did off the court. And, and you know, he's just, he was a great guy and it sucks because you look at a guy who is a culture builder that you build around. And he was that guy and he was a great player for the team. He was a great role player. Like I'm not saying he's Dennis Johnson, but in terms of what he was for the team, he was kind of like that guy where he fit a culture and an intensity level and was at times selfish, but selfless enough to let the other guys make the big plays. And yes, you all, you always say the ball somehow finds a way in his hands when the game is on the line. But a lot of the times he did make the right decision and I'm going to miss him and it's going to suck that he's gone, but I'm going to be cheering for him, rooting for him. And, you know, maybe ter- trade deadline comes back around and Memphis is like, no, let's just dump this guy. And then Celtics can get him back. I, don't, I know that's probably not going to happen, but it sucks to see a guy go who meant so much, who I grew up with. The best I can, the best comparison it can be for me is maybe Nomar because you grew up with like a certain player and then they mm-hmm. get traded and you're like, okay, maybe it leads to a championship like it did with Nomar or it leads to nothing. And then it's just the first of many spirals. I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is that even though this was definitely Brad's guy, like, cause Brad coached him throughout that whole, his whole tenure. The fact that Brad made that trade where I've seen Brad make other savvy business trades. This was like a, a gut wrenching, brutal trade if you're like a Celtics fan or somebody who follows the Celtics like that's a that's a trade that takes stones and that's a trade that I would say Bill Belichick would make or Danny Ainge would make and I didn't think Brad had that in his stomach but I'm happy that he shows that he can because that means that he's not afraid to pull the trigger on a great deal and I think for what it's worth Porzingis is probably better for our team than Marcus right now even if we have a giant hole on the team. Derek White was better than Marcus Smart in the playoffs. Malcolm Brogdon when he was healthy Again, that's a big if. Yep. Better than Marcus Smart last year. Um, yep. There had been a decline in the skills of Marcus Smart. Like you, you could see it that he wasn't the same perimeter defender. He was still a yeah. tough defender with like bigger guys, but he wasn't the same perimeter defender. Let's just say you're not scared of him when he, when he's shooting. I think he has a little aggroness to him that was kind of wearing thin in the locker room. And to me, I I just, I look at it that the Celtics got somebody who's a better fit at a better position of need for them. Um, And they got draft picks. Like, and, you know, Porzingis hasn't necessarily been the picture of consistency when it comes to health, you know, and being available. But he played a lot last year. He played a lot last year, though. And... It's a one-year rental. They didn't give a, up a whole lot. It's a one-year rental. See what you have, and then you get off of the money. Like, I don't understand how how Celtics fans can be upset about this, right? I, I, I think – well, I, I also think that it's not going to be a rental because he allegedly – and, you know, I'll throw everything with an asterisk on here – wants to be on the Celtics long-term. And I think there are rumors saying that they're, they're, the trade is going to basically be followed by an extension because they want him – to get extended another two years on. And I'm okay with that. But yeah, I, I think the need there for him, a, a big who can stay on the court more than Rob Williams and is probably more um, 
more of a force offensively than Al Horford and defensively. Because, I, I mean, the, the, some of the advanced metrics actually show that Porzingis is a pretty solid pick-and-roll defender, a guy who can actually stay in the paint. His rim protection be... numbers are are great. Yeah, and, and, just, and just the ability from what Brad Stevens was saying in one of those post-trade interviews, actually, where it seems like he doesn't want teams to be looking for the switches that they were hunting in the playoffs because that made them a lot more easy, predictable on offense. And, you know, part of that can be coaching, but this also eliminates that because if you're going to be switching on to Tatum, now now Corzingis can actually also make you hurt more than Al Horford, who just sits at the three-point line and either goes 0 for 7 or 4 for 7, you know? And that's a big difference. Yeah, and the he, Al Horford had the most misleading over 40% from three season in the history because yeah, I know what the numbers say. And sometimes he gets crazy hot and they all go in. As you said, sometimes he goes absolutely cold. I'm never nervous about Al Horford shooting threes if I'm the opposing team. It's so funny you say that because I feel that way watching them all the time. But then all of like my non-Celtics friends are like, Al Horford's the best shooter in the league. And they saw that after like that game, after that game, I think in the Eastern Conference Finals where he had like five threes or whatever. And it's like, the man doesn't miss. And I was like, no, no, no. That was in the, an abnormal, that was an the anomaly there. He, you basically, he takes three shots a game and he'll only shoot more than that if he keeps hitting threes. Otherwise you can basically leave him alone, which is fine. I mean, he's 38, but you're asking too much of him and Rob Williams with, with his health issues also to be playing too much. And, you know, Porzingis, I know we can take up, I don't know if we want to include the bubble season, but like if you have the bubble season, plus just like playing on the wizards who basically tank the last six or seven games of the season, because they know they're not getting into the play in like, he can pro- he's probably pretty relatively healthy and just what he can do offensively is so much bigger than what I'd say Rob can do from a one-way threat and Al to a lesser extent from the three, right? So I'm happy about it because it did address a big need there. Um, but yeah, now we have a big hole at guard and defense, especially with passing because I know Marcus bummed a lot of Celtics fans out because he would make some bad passes, but he became a pretty good passer towards the end. Like he was the reason that we got to the finals as a point guard last year. He learned how he figured out the passing. He figured out his ego check and everything. And then even I think Eastern conference finals game one, he had like 11 or 12 assists in the first game, but the team just couldn't figure anything else out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I don't know where the passing is going to come from. Derek white should hopefully get more playing time. I think they figured something out with him, but I don't know the way that the trade market's been going and you can tell me what you think about it. I feel like all these veterans point guards are basically going to be available for like a bevy of second round picks on buyouts, essentially. Like there's news today. Kyle Lowry might get waived if he can't get in this potential trade. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, you can find guards. You can find guards are like a dime a dozen for, you know, just somebody to fill in spot minutes, 15, 20 minutes a night. Like the NBA especially with guys coming into the league, you know, draft picks. Guards are at a plethora right now. So I I just – they'll be able to fill that position. And, like, for example, I I know Bill Simmons talks about him all the time, but, like, can Peyton Pritchard play 12 minutes a night? Like, can he? maybe. Maybe, but not in the playoffs. Like, you saw what happened when when Missoula put him in against the Heat in the Easter Conference Finals. I don't know what the decision was there. But like he's he's the vet. Like yes, in the regular season, Peyton Pritchard's great because you're they're going to be nights where you need guys off, whatever. But you can't have him be a point guard in your playoff rotation. So that's that's where it's like okay, who can we find that can actually run an offense 
whether that is like a Mike Conley, who I would happily take because he'll give you the defense and he's a selfless creator, but like he can also knock down a three. Like I'll take that. I don't know what the trade comes there, but you know, it's just, there's stuff like that. You know, that that's, that's kind of what you need right now at this point. You just need a good point guard who can run an offense because when the game gets tight with four or five minutes left, the Celtics in the last two seasons have just been unable to get an offense going. And part of that's maturity issues on Tatum and, and Brown. Part of it's coaching and part of it's just not having a true point guard, which I want to say Marcus was, was a really good point guard, but he's not a true point guard. He's not a, he's not a table setter like Chris Paul, right? Like that's, you need that. And it's hard to ask for that too, on top of having two all NBA wings and an all-star center and all defensive center. It's hard to build a team with all the money issues and the new CBA, but that's, that's kind of what the goal is now. That's where this team is. So I think, I think another shoe has to drop because I don't think they make that trade unless they know they can find a good replacement level guard who can eat into the Brogdon minutes, assuming he's gone or assuming he's going to be injured and assuming Derek white, isn't like a true, true point guard because Pritchard's not a true point guard either. So I don't know what they do, but I'm waiting. I'm hopeful. Guys, guys will be available. Guards are, are at a, there are a plethora of of guys who can run an offense right now that you can get at the trade deadline that you know aren't going to cost a tremendous amount of draft capital. I just think you know the position's very stacked right now. Um, I, I actually like Tyus Jones, who went to the Wizards, I would a lot more than Marcus Smart in a vacuum. I mean, like, he, I think he's just a better yeah. player right now. So I I don't know what Memphis was doing. Like, wh- why did they do this? That, that was just weird to me. That, to me, seems like uh, we need some defensive intensity and some leadership slash culture change because we're getting rid of Dylan Brooks and Jaw is suspended for the first 25 games. So they kind of need somebody to step up there where Tyus Jones isn't that guy. Tyus Jones is a very nice player, and he's probably a good – he's always going to be a good backup point guard but i wouldn't really trust him in crunch time in a, in a right playoff but their series. record over the last couple of years without john morant when he's missed games for injury was very good when tyus jones was in the game like i just you know is tyus jones that much worse of a defender than marcus smart these days i'm not sure that is I, he's a better shooter he's a better offensive a better player I, i'm just yeah i'm just confused I, I well, I think they look. I mean, if you look at Marcus's numbers, like he, Marcus will probably average like what 15, 5, and 5, but he'll also give you the defensive help and the intensity that I think they do want, which I understand because like Marcus struggled against guards this year, and that was definitely a drop off due to either injury, age, wear and tear. You know, he's basically like a running back past his 30s at this point with all the miles he's put on, but he can still. If you switch him onto a big, he's going to make that hit. He's going to make life miserable for the big that he's getting switched onto. He's not just a. He's not just a. What's it called? A, a traffic cone. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think it, it was a weird trade on Memphis. It was a really end. weird trade. It it's was a, a really great weird trade. trade for Washington. I think Washington did well, and I think the Celtics did well. Like anytime you well, can get the best player in the in the deal and, and get some draft and capital. To, yeah, that's the weirdest part. That Wizards didn't get any picks from that deal. Right, they didn't get like a they didn't get a first from that deal, which is crazy. Like, why did we get both of the firsts in that deal? That made no sense to me. Very strange trade. Uh, speaking yeah. of another interesting trade that went down, because uh, you mentioned him before, Chris Paul. So Chris Paul, after he got moved from Phoenix to Washington, thought maybe he was going to get bought out. I think Celtics fans 
kind of wanted him to get bought out, so they may ha- have had a chance, even though I think his preference was to stay on the West Coast. But he doesn't get bought out. He gets traded to the Golden State Warriors for Jordan Poole. Um, yeah. Your reaction when you saw this? I don't really get it. I guess he's like going to be running the second unit for them when uh, Steph is off the court and or if Steph gets hurt or if they just need another person who can hold while Steph runs free because maybe something happens with Clay this summer. That's exactly that what Clay it is. Right? But I don't know if he fits their pace. I mean, honestly, the better the better part of the deal for them is they just got off the pool contract because that was, that was the bad contract. And, you know, you'll take Chris Paul for a year and, you know, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out with Draymond. You run it back. You convince yourselves, okay, now we have all these vets in here. We have another guy who can – create for the team and he can play some defense and he's older and we're not gonna be able to rely on him for heavy minutes in the playoffs because literally every year that the same thing happens but they don't have to that's the beauty yeah i just can't believe that after draymond punched jordan Poole, the warriors were like you know what draymond actually we're gonna side with you here even because it's just it's crazy that they basically caved to the bully considering Yes, it was a bad contract that they gave to Jordan Poole, and Poole also was in his own head. But, like, once that happened, it clearly it was never the same. And right. then they're like, you know what? We might we already we already dug in on, on Draymond's side. Let's just stay on the Draymond side, and we'll run it back last dance one more time. We'll bring in Chris Paul. I just don't know if this really makes them that much better in the West, though. So, I, I don't know. Well, a couple of things. One, you, you can't underestimate just what it does money-wise for the Golden State Warriors, right? Because if they wanted to bring back Draymond, who's their most versatile defender, who's their most unique player, right? Well, aside from Steph, their most unique player and probably their most important player outside of Steph Curry, the money was just going to be so exorbitant where I think it was going to be like over $500 million in luxury tax alone and then not being able to do anything, like something crazy like that. And this resets that a little bit, right? Just because of Chris Paul's number. Um, The chemistry was clearly off. They needed to do something. And again, Jordan Poole may have got the uh, worst of it, but he's not a four-time champion and not their most unique player. Uh, So that's just the way it is. Um, Three, like they were trying to thread the needle between the youth movement and and winning and again they won two years ago but that's kind of stagnated Wiseman out Kaminga we'll see I guess Moses Moody may have an opportunity to be in the rotation but they were clearly like we have Steph Curry at 34 35 years old who's still in his prime we owe it to him to continue trying to win so Chris Paul's another adult in the room Uh, let's get him there, even if he only has to play 15, 20 minutes a night. Uh, And then it's, yeah, I I just think that that's the logic behind it. And to me, it makes a whole lot of sense. And to me, it makes sense for the Wizards. Because, like, the Wizards are not going to be good. Might as well take a chance on a guy who's shown capabilities of, you know, point production and and he has Mm -hmm. some talent and again maybe things got a little haywire but he also was a contributor to a championship team two years ago so 
why not take the opportunity, take the flyer on him, and especially because they're not paying anybody anyway. So who cares? And and you need you just need, you need grownups in the room. And I feel like I saw there were too many times where I saw Jordan Poole not like either like there would be like the sideline video from fans where he's like arguing with the coach during a, a timeout in the playoff game or the or even whatever he did say to, to Draymond, not saying that it warranted getting punched in the face and not really getting backed up by your team on it. But, you know, he just, I just don't think the culture fit for him was really there. I think he was like he bought into like the flashy part of the organization, but not the not the not the real step and clay Draymond part where it's like, hey, it's not about you. It's about doing your job for the team, you know, and Chris Paul does buy into that a lot. And he's he's so smart and very easy to it seems like he has a history of being able to fit with other ball in their hands, creators or main or ball stopping players like James Harden, as we know, you know, and then like teaching Shea Gilgis, but also just bringing a level of maturity that that Jordan Poole doesn't have. So Jordan Poole will have fun on U Street. He'll be shooting threes all day and he'll put up 28 points a game and then he'll probably get traded to a contender that needs a, a scorer. And, you know, Washington will actually continue a good rebuild. But I, I, I'm, it's good that they got rid of Jordan Poole. I just don't know how much better Chris Paul makes the Warriors in the grand scheme of things with the West. I, I don't think this, this elevates the Warriors past the Lakers or the Nuggets by any stance. I don't think it really elevates them past the Suns either, but you know, at least the sun, at least the Warriors have guys that they can put in a five man rotation. The Suns don't. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm selling. I'm shorting the Suns at every opportunity. Every yeah. opportunity. I, I saw their odds at plus 650 to win the title. I thought that was laughable. Um, I just, I don't see it. Uh, and I'm People, willing pe- to book anybody's yeah. action who absolutely loves them because I, I just don't see it. People forget that like the Clippers were in that series this past they were year. Up, they were up one game to zero. Kawhi Leonard just had a monster game. There was no Paul George. Right. Right. And then Kawhi gets hurt and he doesn't play and the Suns win four straight. Now I will say, I think the Suns actually gave Denver their toughest test. So yeah. they, oh, they yeah. kind of vindicated themselves a little bit, but it, it's a three man team. And one guy who's a B player is making A plus money. And that's the way you stay mediocre in the NBA. One last thing before I let you go. Sure. Uh, Damian Lillard. How sick and tired of this song and dance are you? I'm tired of his shit, man. I'm tired of it. I talked about it in the it's, monologue. That was basically my opening rant. Like, enough is enough already. It's like, it, you know what it's like, and you're, and you're a Giants fan, so you can appreciate this. It's like when any time the Cowboys are having a contract issue with Dak or Zeke, and it's like, we know what you're going to do. You're going to overpay to keep the guy, but because you're the Cowboys, you have to talk about it. And in the same way, we know Damien Lillard, the song and dance is going to be, oh, I'm loyal, but I also want to win. And you're just going to keep playing the hits every time. And that's all we're going to talk about because we're in this vacuum of a void of no sports except for baseball right now. No Olympics, no World Cup, nothing like that. And it isn't and it isn't like end of July yet where football starts to really get into swing of things. So it's like, well, what can we talk about? Well, I guess we can talk about another malcontent superstar who to his fairness to him has been loyal and has not really ever demanded a trade, but has also kind of demanded trade. So it's annoying. You said it before. He's probably going to get traded for some bad package that he, and he's going to end up in Miami. My one thing is I just, I ask that you don't go to Miami for me. Why not just go to Atlanta? 
Go 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 on another team that has all these good players <laughs> and, and get Trey and then go put Trey Young in Portland. I don't know. I just I I just don't want him to go to Miami. That's all I'm asking. I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired yeah. of it already. Like, listen, the the writing was on the wall. They didn't move the number three pick. Once they got the three pick, and it wasn't like the fourth or the fifth where they were going to be able to move that for some for a player that was justified to move that pick, considering the right. top three in this draft held, you know, a, a higher um, higher value. Like I, I made the case for the Jalen Brown for Anthony Simons in the three pick with the Celtics. Yeah. I made yeah. the case for it. It didn't happen. I still think if the Celtics got offered Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons for Jalen Brown, I think the Celtics should do it. But whatever, it's not going to happen. At that point, it's just like enough. Just, just ask for the trade. It's fine. Let's get it's fine to Miami and be done with it. Exactly, exactly. Like especially because I even remember there was like this old. You remember when, like, Foot Locker would do commercials? And, like, there was, like, old Foot Locker commercials, and it was, like, Damian Lillard, who was, like, a second year maybe at that point, and he was in the commercial being, like, I don't want to end up, like, one of those guys who never won a ring. And then he's, like, surrounded by Chris Webber. And he's, like, I sorry, I didn't mean that. I meant, like, a legend who never won a ring. And then there's, like, Carl Malone and, and, uh, and like, uh, and Charles Barkley on there. So it's, like, all right, well, you know, if you don't want to end up like that guy who you were in that commercial with, like, 15 years ago, like, go now. Go to the, go to the East the East is pretty much wide open. Go to a team that that contends for championships, like the Heat, or the Boston Celtics, you know, um, and and go and and like actually do it. Don't be this guy who stayed loyal because in this sport you don't have to be loyal anymore. You've done enough for Portland. They'll probably hang your your jersey in the Raptors, and their replacement is ba- is literally wearing your jersey with another zero. So he's like, hey, I'll be the next guy to take in the reins. You've done enough. You've done it. You've done enough for Portland. But otherwise, right now, honestly, career, career resume wise, how much di- how much more different is he accomplishment wise than uh, than Trey Young? I just want I, I don't know. I'm off the top of my head, but like you're making he, it to the conference finals, but not he's really. He's made some series ending shots, right? Yes. Like oh he, yeah, of course. And he's All and he's right. done it more more than Trey oh, Young. Yeah. Um, of course. Yes. Would you again? Things have to would have to figure out other compensation wise, but a deal around Jalen Brown and 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 whatever, and, and Lillard and Brown as being the two principals. Would you take Damian Lillard for three years at high level production for Jalen Brown? I'd rather actually trade Jalen for the scoot for the scoot package, honestly, because I feel like cause just because the money the money that comes in with Damian Lillard and his age and D isn't the most defensive minded guy i'd rather have scoot where like well, the money is going to come in when jalen brown signs that albatross of a contract that's coming that's why that's why i'm saying trade trade him before he does that and then and then you'll deal with it but i don't know i i'd rather i'd rather scoot because i scoot to me i think scoot's going to end up having a better career than wemby only because the only because of the the physical makeup of wemby worries me because guys who are that tall like chet holmgren and that skinny it just takes one foot injury, and then there goes your rookie season, right? Yao Ming, leg, leg issues the whole time. And, you know, the Spurs and Popovich have this, like, lore behind them maybe, but I, I don't think that team's contending anytime soon. And I don't even know if they're going to if they're gonna let Wemby play a full season. Like, I, right now, if I'm a betting man, I'd probably bet – I'd probably be betting heavily on Scoot to win Rookie of the Year because it's going to be his show when they trade Dame and – Scoot's just going to have all this time to be playing. Wow. Okay. This is, yeah. this is a little Scoot, interesting now. 
I think Scoot is like plus six fifty to win the to win rookie of the year, and I feel like that's good money for a guy who probably is going to play more games than Wemby. Because why would the Spurs? I feel like the Spurs will be like, all right, well, either Wemby gets hurt or we're a bad team anyways. So like, why play him in a scenario where end of the year he could get hurt and then that ruins the next year? So why don't we just rest the season? We'll tank again. We'll, another, we'll get another high pick. We'll keep building. And then Scoot's like, hey, I'm in Portland. I have all these guys around here. We're actually not terrible. And then Scoot becomes this SGA. We're tanking, but we're actually kind of competitive. And like, you know, I'm not saying they're going to make the play in, but, you know, they – they have enough guys there where like they're interesting, right? Like if they didn't tank last year and Dame is healthy, like that team is probably in the play-in. A little spice coming in at the end of the segment. A little spice. Um, a little spice. That's, little uh, paprika. that's uh, something I, I haven't heard that one before because I, I think he's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, but, you know, I, I would – I would think about it if I'm the Celtics, because if you're in this win-now mode, I think Damian Lillard, even at 32, gives you a better chance to win now than Jalen Brown does. I think we've seen the apex of the Jalen Brown-Jason Tatum pairing. But I'm with you on gonna, that. I'm with you on that. It's going to be interesting um, for a because, team that you know what? was – Yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know what? You mentioned it before. With the money that's about to come in for the Jalen contract, you basically have to win a title – in the next three years to justify it essentially, because at a certain point you're going to have to blow it up. If you can't, if you can't win in two to three years from now with Jalen on the team, you have to get rid of him. I think just because there's too much money coming in and you probably, you just have to shake things up. I'd rather than trade for Dame because if the option is having Dame on your team or having Dame on the heat, I guess I'd rather have Dame, even if that means leaving, losing Jalen, but so maybe that's so maybe I do it then. Maybe I do the trade. If you're telling me that if Dave is either going to the Heat and you're playing him in the Eastern Conference Finals, or Dame is coming on your team and you're and you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess I'd rather that. Even if the package is Jalen plus whatever and the money is whatever. Well, we'll both be on pins and needles monitoring this situation, considering neither of our baseball teams are at all interesting. And nope. <laughs> the most and mid you could be. Let, let, let's be honest. You're a Patriots fan. You have absolutely nothing to be interested about when it comes to them. I know Bill Simmons says otherwise. He's very wrong. Um, so, yeah, we're basically both waiting until NBA season kicks off next year. I'm going to catch up on a lot of Netflix and HBO Max this summer. Exactly. That's what I'm going to be doing, too. Stay away from The Idol. It's a horrible show. I, I, I tried to get into it. I watched it. I the first like two it. episodes. Terrible. Terrible. Absolutely yeah. oh, terrible. Terrible. Like one yeah. of the worst shows of all time. The weekend. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I um, don't think he's even acting. I think they just let the camera roll and let him be him. One of the worst actors of all time. Uh who's the who's the lead, the female lead? Um it's it's Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily it, Rose. And that's what Depp. I thought. It is Johnny yeah. Depp's daughter, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stay she's away. gorgeous, but I'm not sure what else she brings to the table. It no. is bad. It is yeah. bad. And it is a terrible depiction of what Britney Spears was like in the in her early um or I should say her her early edgy phase because when she first came out she was ultra wholesome, but I don't know, she went through that edgy phase. It's just it's terrible. It's downright it's terrible. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think they're canceling it early too. I think like they, I think they're saying like, it was only four episodes. Series, I saw, I saw an Instagram. Yeah. The fourth episode is the series finale. Which is crazy. Cause I think it was originally supposed to be six. So that, I don't know how they're going to do it, but Sick. yeah, they, they, they nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. See bon you, idol. Bon Awful. Voyage. Anyway, Avi, thanks for coming on impromptu. Had to talk about Marcus smart. Goodbye to his flopping. Um, the, Oh, and goodbye to Grant Williams, potentially, too. The Celtics may become a little bit more watchable and less hateable, but I doubt that. Thanks again for doing it. I'll speak to you soon. Of course. So I mentioned it in the monologue. I have a very special guest, a first-time guest, somebody who I would say is very much entrenched in Nick's Twitter, somebody (laughs) who I have basically met over the bird. It's none other than uh, Eric Fleming, Jr., He's known as E. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. I'm here, man. Appreciate the invite. Um, always good to talk Knicks basketball, man. Good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> good, bad, or indifferent is a is a very good way to describe the New York Knicks right now. Um, Absolutely. You and I um, have gone back and forth a lot over a bunch of different topics. We generally see eye to eye when it comes to the New York Knicks, which is shocking because I feel like I'm on an island all the time but absolutely it's it's, it's good to find somebody you know in nick's twitter who is sane like you are for the most part but (laughs) so let me ask you this right off the bat um where do the knicks stand to you as a team in the east when it comes to like the pecking order of the east and additionally like in terms of like the health of the franchise right now We've seen a lot of toxicity. We've seen them be competent. Where do they fall on the competent versus incompetent spectrum? I got them right in the middle. Um, I've been, the word I've been using a lot for probably the last three years is to me, they've had an excellent plan for purgatory where they're never going to be good enough to contend for a chip. They're also never going to be bad enough to get one of the higher picks and get a you know a blue chipper out, out of the draft that can change your franchise. You know they're just right in the middle, playing it safe. When you ask like the pecking order and the, where they are in the East, to me it's right where they were this past year, which a fourth, fifth, sixth seed. And but no one will. They'll never be in a threat. We'll know that there's right. a if there's a tier of contenders and then. You got teams that are right outside and then, you know, the guys that just made it, they're never going to be in that top tier. Even if this seeding goes up, because I was telling one of my boys, you know who they remind me of right now? And even with the moves that they're, that's being rumored to happen, that DeRozan, Laurie, Laurie Raptor team from a couple of years back, that they were even like the number one seed at one point, one year. But no one never really looked at them as a, a that they, they're going to win the East, that they're going to contend. Because Larry and DeRozan are what I consider like B-plus players, not right. A. They're good players. Just like Randall is a good player. Jalen Brunson is obviously a very good player. But if you don't have that guy on your team, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're, you're capped. So I kind of have them right in the middle. It's just – which is – it's disappointing because I think they're right in the middle uh, by design, not like by accident or 
they 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 went with youth and maybe the youth doesn't pan out to be that so far. They they literally designed this team to be in the middle. So I, I want to press you on that for a second because I, I agree with you and I'll, I'll give my thoughts in a minute, but I I think you are on to something. When you say by design, what exactly do you mean by design? Does that mean the coach that they employ? you know, the types of guys they sign? Is it just because for whatever circumstances, uh, mainly that they had that crazy year in 2021 that they thought that they were a little bit better and then they took the step back and it caused them to sign a couple of contracts that hamstrung them for a little bit? So what is it when you, when you mean it's by design? Because I don't think the organization really wants to be in the middle. I feel like it's just like, Weird circumstances kind of have them there. Yeah, I could. You, you kind of touched on so, most of it as to where my thinking is coming from on that. I've been on that boat ever since the day they re-signed um, Julius Randle early. When they Once, didn't need to, by the way. Right. That's why I said early. That's the key word in that. When they decided to five minutes after he completely wet the bed in the playoffs to give him an extension early that to me is by design you're 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 telling you're 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 setting yourself up to be in the middle cuz you you do that for a guy that you figure he's going to lead us to a chip he's going to be that guy that's the only reason you do that in my opinion there's no other reason to do that and they did that and i that never made sense to me ever when they i've always looked at randall up until that point as a really good asset from the day we initially signed him. I'm like, nice signing. I like the contract. He'll be a really, if he plays well one year, hopefully the year before his contract expires, that'll be a great asset to get another pick. And you play the young guys and you go forward from there. Everything they did early on or around that time in Leon's tenure was just to me a little confusing because his claim to fame was being a guy with the connects. He's going to have, you know, he knows all the big guys, all the bigger players. And so the CAA has been in the news me. a lot lately, by the way. Just, you know, yes. CAA yeah. has been, uh, you know, making yeah, yeah, some headway CAA. here. Right. Which, I mean, there's some things they could do really good this summer. Um, but it's, going back to that, I never understood that because at that time when we hired him, they, there was no big fish on the horizon. To, that's coming. So I'm like, why do we need that kind of GM? I would have preferred just some smart guy that knows how to get the kids out of college, get knows the, the the cap, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Just some no-name guy that we don't know that really knows the game. We go with him. So obviously he then goes and hires a Tom Thibodeau, who I think is a good coach. But you don't hire Tom Thibodeau to coach a bunch of 21-year-olds. Yeah. But you have R.J. Barrett as like your second guy on the team. So to me, it was a lot of, I don't know where, what the direction is where you're going, but I guess to answer your question, I mean, I just never understand. I feel like it, why I say by design is because to me, that Randall signing was the beginning of the end. And we're, we're oh, well, the end meaning right to purgatory. That season, that 21 season to me was the worst thing that could have happened to this. The season. worst thing that could have happened the to worst. the franchise. Yeah. When, yeah, at the beginning of the season, I'm like, all right, cool. We drafted Obi Toppin. Fine. 
you play Randall up until the All Star, up until the deadline, and you move him at the deadline, and then from the deadline on out, you play the kids. Yeah, but they couldn't – hold on one second. They couldn't really do that, though, because they were having their best season in almost a decade. doesn't matter. You you got to look at the long game. You got to look at the long game. Yeah, I, and, I and get it, that, but it's it's hard to pull a plug on, on a season when you were hosting a first-round playoff series. Now, again, we know how it turned out, but, like, I don't know. I can't kill them for pulling a plug. At the time, like, he was the toast of the town. You got to remember too, though. At the time, where I'm when I'm talking about this, the deadline they hadn't gone in that crazy run yet. They're playing yes, okay. You're right. Derek the crazy Rose run came. Yet. Yeah, Derek Rose. They made that move, and that kind of that's what you know springboarded that season, and that's when they shot up to that fourth seed. If I remember correctly, I think they were hovering around like the seven or eight seed. Yes. Right before yeah. the, the deadline. After they got so, Derrick Rose, they went on a crazy run. Right. So that's why my mentality then was, yes, absolutely trade Randall right now. He's playing well. Trade him. And then use insert Obi, this kid we drafted a couple months ago. Let's see what he has. We're going to stink. That's fine. I didn't care at that point because we're not winning the chip no matter what happens this season. That was my thinking then. All right. I'm not saying I was predicting we was going to get waxed by the the Hawks, but I didn't think we. I definitely didn't think we was winning the chip or even getting making a deep run. They and that's why I say that season was the worst thing to happen to them because then they go into that summer, they basically run it back, you know, by bringing the re up Randall again, like we talked about for no reason. There was no need to do that at all. They did it anyway. You're bringing guys like Fournier. You re-sign Burks. You re-sign Nerlens Noel. They. And we see what happened. You bring in someone like Kemba Walker, you know, it, then you, you saw what happened the following season. So, and again, all of those moves to me was, okay, what do we think, what do we think is going to happen here? What, you know, and that's when I became labeled, a, you know, a negative Knicks fan and, and all that summer. Cause I basically shitted on every move they made that summer. I hated all of it. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, this is not going to be, even if everything worked great, I still didn't think they were a contender. So why are we dishing out all this money to all these B and C players? The one thing I'll say, though, is, again, you know, like, the era after the 2013 season was so bad that yeah. we needed something to be excited about. And I'll admit it, like, I drank the Kool-Aid after a while. Like, I, I didn't like Randall yeah, as a sure. Laker. I mean, he was only there for like a year. I didn't particularly like him with New Orleans either. I, I hated watching him the first season he was with the Knicks. Absolutely hated him. Um, I, I thought maybe once they got rid of Marcus Morris that the Marcus Morris stink would get off of him, yeah. and maybe it did for that, you know, weird COVID season. <laughs> yeah. Or coming out of COVID season. But it, it's hard to hate on – on thinking that we can build from that. The the problem was is that, and still is to some degree, is the coach treats Julius Randle as if he's LeBron James. And right. Julius Randle is very much not LeBron, not LeBron James. James. And, it's, <laughs> right. and the bromance between Tibbs and Randle is just holding – the team hostage. Like, there's no doubt in my mind when they drafted Obi Toppin that they thought they were drafting Randall's replacement. And then he had that crazy year. And then he ran And up, it kind yeah. of put him in a bind, right? Which is now setting up for really interesting decisions that the Knicks have to make 
contract wise and and we'll get to that in a second but yeah. in terms of i'm with you i i think they're right in the middle because you know let's face it they've been to the playoffs two of the last three years you couldn't say that for a long time with them you know as much as i don't like tibbs he at least gets them playing hard i don't think they play particularly smart i think they're very simplistic but they do play yeah. hard uh, i i gotta give him credit for that yeah yeah, as, yeah. As for the front office, I was all in favor of just trying something different. After the Phil Jackson regime, just try and the Steve Mills regime, just try something different. Who knows? Maybe you hit the next Bob Myers. You know, like right. you might as well try. Like who, who, running back retreads wasn't going to do it, but you know, and and Leon and company have done some good things. Like they've drafted pretty well in the late. You know, yes, first yeah, rounds. Yeah, definitely Quickly, have, yeah. Grimes has has potential. I mean, the Josh Hart trade was a really nice trade. The Derrick Rose trade three seasons ago was a nice trade, but their you know loyalty and marriage to the CAA thing, and it's basically like La Familia, and that rules everything. Seems to be a bit of a problem right now, and. The greatest thing that they've stumbled on is this Jalen Brunson contract, which honestly is like a gift from the heavens because he's so much better than I thought he was. Might be the best contract in the league. Really? Really, it might be the best contract in the league. But my fear is is that they're going to use that to get what they consider a superstar in like – Carl Anthony Towns and his money because they can afford it because the Jalen Brunson contract, like that's the worst. Yeah, like we can't have Because he's not that guy. He's not – that's just another B-plus player who's they good. A-plus money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so – because he's coming from a poor man's team, so that just had to pay him. You know, it's – you can't again. You said it with the marriage with between um, Tibbs and Julius, but again, like I have a hard time putting like a bunch of that blame on Tibbs because he's the cook, you know. But he's not. He's not the one buying the groceries, you know. So and that's how I look at it. I always look at roles. Like, what are you, what is the plan here? What are you doing? Who who are you giving Tibbs to coach here? You know, and right. Tibbs being an old school coach, like I said at the beginning, like he wouldn't have taken that job, in my opinion, if he thought it was just going to be a bunch of kids on the team at sixty some years old. He wants grown men to coach and try to win almost immediately. So I never understood the hire in the first place. To me, I, and he gets a lot of he a lot of it is warranted as well. Um, the heat he get, but he also has done nothing. Talking about Tibbs here. That we didn't know about Tibbs already. Right. They want the confidence after years of incompetence. That's Tom Thibodeau has been Tom Thibodeau the entire time that he's been the next coach. So, like, why are we upset about that? Like, why did, if you wanted, you're mad that Obi never gets any minutes. Well, Tom Thibodeau is the head coach. Right. We knew that when we drafted him. And Randall had the crazy shooting season in 21. Right. And, and right. Randall married was to like that. top five in minutes played, I think, that yeah. season or last year. Like, that's the, all of this is right in Tom Thibodeau's wheelhouse. This is his MO, you know? So 
don't know. I just think they're kind of – I look at them as a team in purgatory right now where it's, it, 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 there's no clear path to they're going to win I have no problem with being on one on the other side. If you can be, obviously, if you go get all of, you try what the Clippers and the Nets did, I'm not mad at those teams for doing that. All right? Injuries. You push, that are, you push your chips frankly, to the table. People will try and make it sound like, oh, that doesn't work. Look, health is the biggest reason why both those things failed. Nothing else. Not because of a lack of talent or anything like that. They both got cursed with injuries on both sides. I'm not mad at that plan. I'm also not mad at, the Orlando Magic's plan, either. I have no problem with that either. You know, they yeah. the Magic is going to be in the playoffs probably next season or ne- year after next. They were but, a slightly above five hundred team at the end of the year. They correct. They yes, good teams tough. They have a lot exactly. of good players. No one should be surprised if they're in a, they're a playing team this coming season. Yeah, right? I agree. And that's what a bunch of kids on the rookie deals. You know, if you're you have something to look forward to. In that scenario. So what I can't take and where my frustration comes from is just being that team that's really good. And I just got to sit there and fool myself and pretend that Julius, like you said, Julius Randle's LeBron James and, you know, Jalen Brunson's Steph Curry. Like, that's not what we have here. Right. Right. You know, and getting into the second round and beating the Cavaliers to me is acting like that's, you know, we won the finals. Like, that's not that means nothing to me, really, at the end of the day. The Cavs can make can, the Cavs. I don't know. Like you, two, you you can let yourself enjoy it though. Like what I was enjoy the last... it, of course. I, I'm a Knicks right. fan, so no matter what happens, I'm going to root for them. It's like a drug, so um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like I'm always going to root for them. I I, you know? I call I call the being a Knicks fan like having an STD. <laughs> it stays with you. It stays with you forever, right? It doesn't yeah. matter. Like what you try and do it, stays with you forever. I I, I do want to transition, and and you did yeah. bring up the Orlando Magic because especially with the way the new collective bargaining agreement is going to be, is like with you basically you're going to have your two max slots and then everybody else is going to be getting the rest of it. So 55 to 60% of your cap may be two guys. And then it kind of hampers teams that draft well, that have good young pieces like Orlando and – and um, Oklahoma City is another team. Oklahoma City, yeah. Yeah, another team that's going to have to make decisions soon. And the Knicks are kind of like that too, right, given where their guys are in their rookie deals. Like, Quickly's extension eligible. Toppin's extension eligible. Grimes is coming up. I've said it for a while that the Knicks are a prime consolidation trade candidate. Like, it's time. Sometimes yeah. you have a very small window to do something. Yeah. And the Knicks window kind of got extended because the Brunson number is what it is, and it's actually declining year over year. And I said last time, I was, like, I was like, Donovan Mitchell, just do it. Just yes. do it. Right yes. now, again, sometimes you can't do it because that, that guy, the perfect guy, isn't available. Right. But you, you just sometimes you just have to jump, right, and then take it from there. Yeah. And I think the Knicks are in a little bit of a situation this summer again. And the name that's been floating out there is Paul George, right, who I don't think fits the profile of Donovan Mitchell in terms of age, durability, all these things. But 
at the same time, when he's right, he's awesome. Yes, he's got yeah. he's got a contract that's not that long. Like they can get out of it if it doesn't go well. But they're in a position where they're going to have to start moving off of guys to sort of reset that clock. So if I told you that the Knicks were going to trade for Paul George, you know, they're actually going to do it. They're going to pull the trigger for some combination of young guys and picks. Are you for it or are you against it? I'm against it. Man. Not Paul George, man. That's that's like you said, and you brought up the Donovan Mitchell. I made a point to someone about a couple of days ago, you know, um, who was, you know, trying to say that, you know, that's why passing on Donovan Mitchell. No, no, no. no. Oh, this was um, when the story came out about Levine um, and his management not wanting to do business with the Knicks. Right? Clutch sports. The, right, clutch, yeah. So, and I said, my comment on that was, this is why, yes, the superstars are available every almost every year. Someone comes becomes available. But it doesn't mean he's available to you. Okay? Donovan wanted to, to me, Donovan was the perfect guy to go get for the Knicks. For a laundry list of reasons. A laundry list of reasons. Okay, young player. He's not even in his prime yet. He would have entered his prime in the Nick uniform. Okay, under contract from the area. I mean, just check, just check, 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 all of it. All right, you still could have had Brunson and the both of them, and that be your backcourt, and you figure out the rest from there. Because here it is, like you want Levine. He ain't. A, he's not an option. They're not going to make that happen. That's not going to happen. And here we are talking about Paul George, someone who's over 30, one of the most injury-prone players in the entire league, has been questioned about his mental toughness. Hello, we're talking about go, now go play for the Knicks? A guy who's played Oklahoma City. He was pretty, he was pretty good last Indiana. year, though, Paul George. He was, he was pretty good. He's There's no question about his talent and who he is, but like the old cliche saying goes, you know, availability is the best ability, and he's not available. Usually out. You, he, you, that, you're going to bank on that? You're going to give up a bunch of assets for that? A year after not giving it up for a healthy 24-year-old? That's what's bugging me about that. Yeah. You know, and again, yeah, the contract is not awful. I think he takes him to about the age of 35 or something like that. Who are you getting rid of for Paul George and bringing him in to do? Like, well, I mean, the guys who will be talked about, well, you'll have Evan Fournier's contract. You'll have right. a combina- some combination of R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. I think that is gross, I, I mean, it's going to be two of the four probably. And, and uh, you know, a pick or a pick swap, you know, or some combination of picks and pick swaps. I would do it only because the clock is ticking on these guys, right? Like, you know, if you don't pull a trigger somewhere and make mm-hmm. a trade, are you going to tie up your entire cap paying quickly, Toppin, Randall, you know, Brunson is on his number. We talked about how good that number is. But, like, are you going to tie it all up for quickly and and top it on, on extensions? I mean, R, I think the R.J. Barrett extension was ultimately a mistake. I mean, 
and not trading him when they could, and and maybe he still yeah. has some value. And I'll, I'll ask you about RJ. It'd be harder you know, to that, move that's, him a, that's a good segue. So RJ Barrett has been the a polarizing figure for the New York Knicks, right? And they're Knicks fans. Some guys think he's untradeable because he's put up certain numbers by the age of 23 that some of the great players ever have done. Other guys look at that and say it's easier to get numbers now than it's ever been in the NBA. And we've seen R.J. Barrett get pulled in fourth quarters because Tibbs doesn't trust him. And you still never trust when when he shoots an outside shot that it's ever going to go in. Where do you lie on R.J. Barrett? I think he's my, – my comp for him has always been, like, literally coming out of college, I always said if everything goes right for him, he's Jimmy Butler. If everything goes right. Or he's Harrison Barnes. On the other hand, I think he'll be somewhere – he could be somewhere in between that, somewhere in the middle. What – uh, what has bugged me about this with RJ is that I don't think RJ, for a guy who was drafted third overall, has gotten the same opportunity as guys who are usually picked in that spot, where they just are given the keys and go do you. And you're going to have some stinkers. You're going to have some yeah. good nights. But after three years the team is going to know 100% who the hell that guy is, who right. this kid is. And I think there's still question marks about RJ Barrett, and that's yeah. insane. And I think that's partly because they've had him playing second fiddle to like Julius Randle his entire tenure here. And they're a bad match. And I feel bad because I get dubbed a lot as as a Randle hater. Is that – and it's, it's not. It's just they, they're a bad match. My, well, my closest friend is a Laker fan. And like, so he knew all about Julius Randle coming in. And from the minute we signed him, I mean, the minute we drafted RJ, he said, that's going to be horrible. He said, that's going to be horrible unless you guys get rid of uh, Julius Randle almost like immediately. They can't play on the same. They will never play well together. I saw a crazy stat last summer sometime, this before that, this, um, this season, that the two of them have scored 30 points in the same game, I think three times ever, Randle and um, RJ. It's just they don't they don't their games don't complement each other at all. And that's a hindrance more to RJ Barrett than Julius Randle, who's like an eight, nine year veteran in the league. We know who he is. He's not yes, he of course he can get better as a player, but his game is his game at this point already. RJ's isn't. Like he's still learning how to play in the NBA. But and I think that's you're putting him at a disadvantage. When you ask him to play against second fiddle to a guy who's not like you're not, it's not LeBron James we have here, man. Like it's just he's a good player, but he should have been put at the front, in my opinion. I'm not saying this because I think he's a superstar player or something like that. I just feel like three, four years into his tenure, and I still don't 100% know who RJ Barrett is, is a problem. So let me ask you this, right? We just we brought him up not that long ago, Carl Anthony Towns. As a basketball skill set, it seems like he and Randall, if you swapped them, that you may be able to maximize R.J. Barrett a little bit more Absolutely. play with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. Absolutely. Who is – I'm not a fan, but he's like Neither a fantastic <laughs> shooter. It may, it may maximize R.J. Barrett. Having said that, 
do you really want to pull the trigger on a Carl Anthony Towns trade, especially when he's making that kind of money just to maximize R.J. Barrett a little bit more? That's the thing. And that's when you say it, when you put it that way, when you say a little bit more, what if it's a lot more? We don't know. It's a gamble. It's 100% a gamble. But if you ask me... I'd rather, I'd rather gamble on the guy who I know who I know can make an all-NBA team when he's right in Paul George and take the swing and then see if it works. I, I Yeah, I'm on the other end with that. I would... Because I, I, too, am not a big fan of Carl Anthony Towns. But if you tell me I can get Carl, get Carl Anthony Towns on the floor... It complements the other players and makes the team better as a whole. I'm leaning more towards that way. Interesting. Interesting. Towns is a good player. Like, we can't, like, also, he's an extremely talented player as well. I don't love him either as, like, any more than... His mental makeup is really, really, yeah. uh, let's just yeah. say it's not all there. Yeah. And we've seen yeah. what he is with Tibbs. It didn't go well then. Why would it? Why would it go well now? And now well, we're being close went, to $60 million. It went, people, everyone, you know, the, he brought in Jimmy Butler, I think, with Tibbs for that reason. Because he wanted a dog in the locker room, and I don't think the team had one. And him being the best player on the team, you tend to just believe that the best player on the team should be the one with the dog in him. And he just, he just does it. And hence, Jimmy right. Butler showing up, and we know the rest of that story. I don't think that would be a problem. I think we have Jalen Brunson on the team. I think I, I and he's an older kid. He's an older guy now too in, in Towns. I would roll the dice quicker on Towns than I would on um um like Paul George. He's younger, and I think he complements the rest of the team. And just the way the NBA is played now, you put him at the five spot or any spot because he's a good shooter, like you said. And yes, you can't. I have a real problem with you stinking bad enough to get the third overall pick. And never finding out why I did that. Because that's what it would mean when you trade R.J. Barrett this year or next year. Why did you do that? Why did I lose 50 games that season? Just to yeah. end up trading this guy in like two, three, uh, three seasons later? You know, you were rewarded with this guy so that you can hopefully be a, he could be a cornerstone of your franchise for the next decade. And he doesn't stink. He definitely, like you said, he's been polarizing because there's holes to his game, for sure, talking about RJ. But this is not a bust, you know? No, I don't think I don't this think is he's not... a bust. I just think that I haven't seen anything that resembles an elite or even an above-average skill that he possesses. And at a certain point, it's just like, I kind of would rather move him for a proven, you know, all-NBA caliber that's... wing and then just shoot my shot that way. I mean, that's where the, that's where the Donovan Mitchell thing came up. And that's yeah. why, because that, yes, I would have included him in that deal. That deal, I would have included him. Absolutely. You know, because you're getting a young player and everything else. Again, to me, Donovan checked off all the boxes. But... As of this year, I just don't see the move. Uh, I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't see the move. To me, they're married to RJ, Jalen, and Julius. That's kind of where I put it at this point. My expectations as far as what I think they'll do. I don't think Leon is trading Julius Randle for God. The way it's just, I just think that's a marriage between him, Leon, and Tibbs. That's just that's what it is. 
The uh, bromance. Yeah, that's it. That's what we we have that until whenever. So to me, it's just a matter of building around that somehow, some way, um, and trying to maximize and hope and pray that these guys get even better. That Julius ends up having at least three good games in the playoffs, maybe once before his contract expires. You know that we don't run Jalen Brunson into the ground. You know, they these are the things that you know. I'm just they they have so many assets, and this summer to me is so big because, like you said, they have players that they're gonna have to move off of either uh, Grimes, quickly, and Obi. One of those guys got to be gone this summer. The way I see it is the smartest way to do maybe, this and bring in even, someone. Maybe even two if they're going to bring in Dante DiVincenzo, Correct. who's rumored to be there, which, you know what, honestly, stacking those Villanova guys together, they played well together. They won a title. Dante DiVincenzo shoots 37% from three. I'm for it. But then then where are the minutes coming from? You got to consolidate at some point. If that's the case. I, I would hope that means Grimes is gone. In that scenario, and they're gonna stick on. They're gonna Grimes is going to get someone again that can be impactful on the team immediately as part of a package for someone else. But because Grimes and DiVincenzo are basically the same players as far as I see, except one with experience and obviously a better rapport in DiVincenzo. So I would I would do that deal. I I'm fine. I I'm good with that. Like you said, the Villanova connection is great. Why not? But um, and I would move off of Grimes in that scenario. But I, I are they going to do that? I don't know what's the other rumors. Um, I know what you wanted to talk about. Maybe I'll, I'll touch on uh, eventually, like what I'd like to see happen. Yeah. So let, let's go there. Like, what What's the number one move to you if he, if you were running the team, and not what we think is going to happen, but like what's yeah, the yeah, number yeah. one move for you? OG on an OB. OG Ananobi, a newly minted CAA client. CAA, yeah. All right, and I, make the case. I think he fill, he checks off everything. It, quintessential three and D player. He moves RJ back to the two spot, which I also think is part of the problem with RJ. He's playing out of position. Move him to the two, the two guard spot. You bring in OG. He's the three. He doesn't need the ball to give you seventeen points a game. He's one of the best wing defenders in the entire league. I just think he fits like to perfection. He'll uh-huh. he'll fit. Um, and now the CEA thing. I said this first about a week ago. I didn't even think that was a thing. Um, was <laughs> nobody did until this afternoon. So you, I think you move someone like a Grimes Obi, who apparently wanted to get out anyway. Um, you tag on a couple of those draft picks that uh, that we have. We got what like seven. That's tradable. I say three of those can get that done when you pair them with Grimes or Obi, and you get it, and that's it. You, I don't think his contract is going to be again because the Jalen Brunson contract is so good. I think you can you'll be able to afford a good deal with get a get a good deal drawn up for him next year. And again, now he's CAA. So like, what is that? that if that you're alone, not, if Leon Rose isn't able to pull that off, then what are we right, doing? Right, exactly. Then why right. are you here at all? You know, so that's that's the guy I would make the move for. And DiVincenzo, I actually like. I, I was on that for a while. Um, I would want to get another big, like Thomas Bryant. I know he's not like a big name, but that I 
for the backup spot, a guy again that can shoot. Well, Hartenstein Souls guy has another year, and I think he actually was was can't great. Can't shoot that. though, and he's yeah, great he hustle can do other things. He stuff. he can he can do other things. Yeah. I, I was actually more more a Hartenstein guy than a Mitch Robinson guy. Like I actually would have rather Nas Reed than both of them, oh, who just got paid by Minnesota. Yes, but one hundred percent. Yeah, I really yeah. like that Nas Reed. I want, yeah, I was eyeballing that too, um, and to possibly move up. Yeah, I said something too about that, like a week or two ago, and got killed for it. Because he's, he's you know, so much better Knicks than Mitchell think, Robinson. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not. Yeah, even they close. treat him like he's. He was talking about him like he was primed to Kim and Matumbo or something, and I'm like, come on, now. yeah, yeah. I was like, he's not that good. Like he's almost a liability on offense altogether. Almost. You know. Almost, he can't catch yeah. a pass in traffic, let alone do anything yeah, outside of five feet. Nas yeah, Reed can ridiculous. handle the ball and he can sh- he can make outside shots and is not the a bad defender. The pushback I got on that was insane on Twitter. It was crazy to how many people, like you said, I always feel like I'm on an island a minute and I say some, something like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Nas Reed would be a uh, – oh, yeah. I think it was in response to someone that was saying, why does anyone want Porzingis back? You know, and I was like, well, he fits. And so I would have taken Porzingis back. Absolutely. I was like, he fits and he does everything that Mitch can't. Right. And yes, you know, the things that he can't do that Mitch does is not that gap to me wasn't that wide. But on the offensive side, it was very wide. So that's the fascination with Porzingis about a week ago. So, yeah, but um, like you said, not what we think is going to happen. It's not going to happen anyways. Right. So my big move, and we'll end on this one, my big move that I would love for them to do is, number one, trade Julius Randle. If you're not going to trade Julius Randle, trade for Paul George, figure it out. And what do I think is going to happen? They'll sign Dante DiVincenzo. They'll do small things around the edges and a whole lot of nothing, honestly. Yeah. 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 That's what I expect. E, we're running late. This was yeah. awesome. We're going to have to do this again, another part uh, closer to the season. We'll do a preview. And uh, thanks so much for staying up late with me. Speak to you soon, bud. Hey, man. Appreciate it, man. Later. Have a good one. Thanks again to this week's guests, recurring guest Avi Wexler, first-time guest and now hopefully a recurring guest, Eric Fleming Jr. coming on, making chicken salad out of chicken shit that is the dog days of summer when it comes to talking sports because, let's face it, baseball's not interesting to anybody unless you're – a fan of the Anaheim Angels and Shohei Otani. It is what it is. That's episode 2014. Plug it away for the love of the game. Take us out, Drake. One in your reflection without a follow, without a mission. You really piping up on these. You gotta be nice for what to these. I understand. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.